1: That's better H-E-L-P, dot com.
0: Simsisms. Devaluement.
1: I, I think it's definitely gonna happen at wide receiver. I think you're going to see a little bit of a devalument. devaluement I don't think that's a word, but it sounds good. Devaluement. Put it in my put it on my tab.
0: <laughs> <Simsisms>. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> it's Tuesday, it's bft Live, and we kick off with The Simsism from last week, Devaluement. I catch, I'd say, 78% of them. For the other 22%, I get countless emails. Uh, the emails that I get, and I've tried recently to respond to every one of them, which can be a daunting task because I made the comment last week. People watch the show. They feel like they know us. It's easy to get in touch. If you just want to say hi, it's Florio at ProFootballTalk.com. Chris doesn't see them. I see them. I'm getting all sorts of advice for you. Oh I haven't passed any of it along because I'm sure you don't care. (laughs) I I don't, but I'm I'm interested to hear well, for example, yeah. please quit saying that Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback of all time. I uh, responded to the person saying, okay, I will tell Chris he's not entitled to his opinion on the matter. Right, Chris, you are no longer allowed to say that Aaron Rodgers is the great, greatest quarterback of all time because someone somewhere is bothered by it. Yes, okay. So now yes. you know.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. That's really, Thanks for coaching me up there. That's uh, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> I mean, hilarious. Uh, I know. I don't know how you do it, man, like I said, but like. I don't know. That was a good reaction by you. you weren't even you didn't know where I was going there with that one with the devaluement when I just said put it on my tab. I caught myself. I knew I was wrong. I know I'm wrong. I feel like 50 percent of the time, but I just go with it because I can't think of the substitute word or the proper way to say with it, say it. So, you know, just full steam ahead, I guess, is my my
0: philosophy there. I appreciate putting it on your tab. However, your tab is growing <laughs> yeah, at is. some point you got to pay the tab <laughs> right but uh but it's all in good fun and you're a good sport about it which is one of the reasons why people will send me emails to tell me they like you you need to get an email address no i much not. rather prefer the emails from people complaining about you yeah than the ones that say chris is so great chris is so funny thanks i'll tell him chris you're great <laughs> uh, and you're funny. hey thanks man thanks Feel free to share
1: those whenever you want. We can make that a segment, you know, praise Chris by Mike
0: Florio's email. I, I like it. It sounds good. I think I'm going to shut down my email account. It used to be popular on Twitter to tell people to delete their account. I think I'm going to delete my email account and just be done with it. Yeah. At some point, the Houston Texans will indeed be done with Deshaun Watson. It was one of the biggest stories early in the offseason. It became a big story in a very different way as of March 16 when we became aware thanks to Deshaun Watson's Twitter account of the first of what would be 22 lawsuits filed against him alleging misconduct during massage therapy sessions. The Texans, for the most part, have been very, very quiet about the matter. There was a slip, there was a lapse from new coach David Culley on a podcast back in March. After that, they got David Culley on board with the talking point, which is no talking about Deshaun Watson. But Nick Casario was on the – I think it's the flagship Houston sports station for the Texans talking about Watson, and he recited the party line. But, Chris, he said something else that caught my attention. Let's listen to what Casario had to say yesterday about Watson, and then we'll try to make sense of it.
1: I think we're taking it one day at a time, um, really control the things that we can
0: control. I think the players have been focused on, on their attitude and their approach in the building, um, and they've handled it, everything, I would say, very well. Again, I don't really have any additional comments about anything. Um, I think we're respectful of what's happening, we're respectful
1: of the process of it and, and everybody that's involved. So, again, the most important thing is for all of us, um, you know, our coaches and players, myself included you know, is to focus on the things that we can control. And as we get more information, as we get closer to training camp, then we'll try to make, you know, the best decision for the Houston Texans, whatever that entails.
0: And there it is. Thanks yeah. to Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast for drawing that out of him. As we get closer to training camp, we'll try to make the best decision for the Houston Texans. What, what decision do you make? What, what decisions are available to you if you're the Texans? You keep him and see what happens. You trade him even if the 22 lawsuits aren't resolved. You trade him if the 22 lawsuits are resolved, or you cut him. Those are the four options. Cut off the table. At a minimum, they'll trade him for whatever they can get with the 22 lawsuits pending. But Chris, I think that the crux of this for the Texans, and this is one of the reasons why the personal lawyer for owner Cal McNair tried to broker settlement weeks ago. And eventually the Texans had to acknowledge that in an SI.com article. They don't want to have to make a decision about trading him with the 22 cases pending. Because they're going to get less if they trade him then. Definitely. But the other side of that coin is he shows up, gets put on paid leave while the cases continue to be litigated. And they pay him $10 million this year and he's not on the team. That's what they have to decide. Are we willing to pay him ten million? Yeah, and and hold the right to trade him until after the season, or do we just take what we can get for him now and let someone else pay him ten million to potentially not play this year? Yeah, I, I uh, it's it's a tough
1: decision. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it's the ten million dollar question. I don't. I mean, I don't have an answer here, but I, I do think that like w- w- what I would say with this scenario, Deshaun Watson, you know, taking everything in as good as he is as a football player. You know, we've talked about it so much. He's arguably top five quarterback in football. If not, he's six or seven. I mean, he's right there. He's one of the best in the game. He's got a lot of years in his prime. If you gave me those, boiled it down to those two scenarios right there, Mike. And if I'm Cal McNair and Nick Casario and I feel somewhat comfortable about whatever, that we can afford the $10 million on the uh, commissioner exempt list, Uh, we can afford it, it's not going to be a big blow to our team this year as far as anything else or the future, then I'm holding on to Deshaun Watson for the year or to when this gets settled because I'm I'm not just trading Deshaun Watson to get rid of him. Uh, While, like you said, there's 22 cases pending and now you're trading him away and it's for who knows what at that point. Because you're right, it's damaged goods to a degree. So I would be more inclined to say, you know what, we're okay at quarterback for this year. We didn't really expect to have him anyways. We're going to have him here. And then we're going to wait to the offseason until we can get multiple teams involved in this conversation and get their heads wrapped around this. And now we can start trying to get the best trade offers we can possibly get.
0: And my understanding is if the cases are resolved, the trade value and the trade interest is much, much higher. There still is trade interest because there are some there teams is. out there thinking we can, we can snatch him right. for a lot less than what we would have to give up if these cases weren't pending. And we're willing to pay the $10 million if it comes down to it because that's just the investment that you pay. That's your loss leader because you got a franchise quarterback when this stuff all goes away on the back end. And part of this too, Chris – that has vexed teams in the past as it relates to guys like Antonio Brown. The league isn't exactly forthcoming when it comes to the whole concept of whether or not it will use paid leave. Now, maybe Cal McNair has a source in the league office that will tell Cal, you know what? Yeah, we're going to end up putting him on paid leave. Or not. People assume he's automatically going to be put on paid leave. He's facing no criminal charges. He has... 22 lawsuits pending against him but none of them have resulted in any type of indictment or criminal action and when you look at the personal conduct policy and we wrote something about this weeks ago i looked at it i broke it down now hey the the discretion is there to do whatever they want to do because if the commissioner's investigation results in a belief that the player may have violated the policy he can be put on paid leave well that's pretty broad but when you remember this chris tony busby the lawyer for the twenty-two plaintiffs, yeah, at one point expressed that that some of his clients who had been questioned by the league as part of their investigation, yeah. felt like they weren't being respected. That tells me that they were subjected to pretty Tough aggressive questions. and maybe skeptical right. questioning. Right. Which which maybe the league thinks they didn't hold up well. Maybe the league thinks that that maybe it's 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 not as 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 it's being told or it doesn't rise to the level of what they think it does right. and maybe they think we can't in good conscience put him on paid leave just because there's 22 if 22 cases individually aren't that strong it doesn't matter if there's 22 or 222 if there if if each one of them isn't regarded as strong yes doesn't matter no. so i we've just assumed he's going to be on paid leave i don't know that that's a fair assumption which means and i've made this case too. There's a chance he ends up playing for the Texans this year. He shows up thinking he's gonna be put on paid leave and he isn't.
1: I I mean, I know, Mike. I you know, I, I know I've been one to to say really from for a while now that I think there's a a a faction in the league that thinks this might, you know, get resolved the way you're talking. You know, that's why I think there's teams that are continuing to be interested here. You know, yeah, they they maybe that they, they don't believe that the 22 charges are quite as severe or what they appear to like what you're saying there. I have a hard time believing that 22 of those cases will all be, you know, oh, it's, you know, not credible or you know, you're questioning it, suspect there and and how they answered whatever blah blah blah. I have a hard time with that. And then just history in the NFL, I mean, I feel like we've seen People go on the commissioner exemplist for, for far less or at least. Or at least far less as far as the surrounding circumstances and everything like that. So I'd have a hard But they have criminal charges. No, no, you're right. Commissioner
0: well, exemplist is is typically only used right. when you have criminal charges. I was specifically thinking about
1: like, um Yeah, you're right. But I mean we saw we saw Ezekiel Elliott get suspended,
0: right? There was he, he got suspended. He wasn't right. put on the commissioner exempt list. But there was no criminal he got charges there either, right? And no lawsuit. Right. They did their so investigation. So that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, right. but but that that's the actual suspension that could be imposed at the back end of the gotcha. process. Gotcha, gotcha. And, and I think Deshaun Watson at some point is facing, when you look at the parallels between his situation and Ben Roethlisberger's from 11 years ago, right, right. I think at a minimum he's facing some type of intervention by the league that would include a suspension. That's when it's all said and done. Paid leave is the thing that they basically use to take the heat out of the hot kitchen. It's a PR device. We can't have someone who's been accused of these heinous crimes or or serious misconduct on the field during our games. So we're going to take that guy. We're going to put him on the sideline. We're going to put him out of the building. We're going to leave him home, and he's still going to get paid. And the league has always believed and argued and contended that that's not punishment of the player, which is a ridiculous proposition. Football players want to play football. Football players are chasing their legacy. Just because they get their money doesn't yeah. make them feel like they've not been punished. But the league has always thought, no big deal, no big deal. We're not punishing the right. guy. Yes, yes, you are yeah. punishing the guy. But they're willing to use it because they don't want to have that guy in the bu- building, on the sideline, on the field, and have people Attach noticing. Shield. Yeah. Here's yeah. the guy. Here's right. the guy that's been accused of these things, even though he's supposedly innocent until proven guilty. We don't want him around just because of the accusations. It really is wrong when you think about it. It yeah, really it is. is. Yeah. So much for innocent until proven guilty. Yeah, right. Uh, but but they, they claimed, you know, they do their threshold investigation. If it's going to be fair and if they come to the conclusion that we don't think— this is the big deal that the individuals allege it to be. We've done enough of an investigation and come to the conclusion that you know there's only two of the 22 that are claiming any type of forcible misconduct, and we don't know whether or not they've cooperated so far. Right. We don't know which of the ones have spoken. I there, there's a way through these weeds if the league does a fair and appropriate job of applying its policy. There is a way that he doesn't get put on the commissioner exempt list and. You know, if the league is willing to tell the Texans, maybe the league is willing to tell some other team that would then trade for him, knowing that he's not going to be on the commissioner exempt list and we're comfortable with him being on the field this year. Yeah. Well, then open up the floodgates or at least the teams that have any
1: questions about, you know, their quarterback situations in general. I mean, I think if we got close enough here and you got to at least like training camp within the first week to 10 days of training camp, really. I mean, if this became, okay, wait, it seems like the Deshaun Watson thing is going to get settled or, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Then, then I think you're going to see a team like Miami and Denver jump back in the conversation. I, I I, do. I would expect that he's too good. It's like Aaron Rodgers, Like we talked about, I mean, once he becomes available, teams are going to come out of the woodworks trying to figure out how they can figure out to get a guy like this. So it's all going to be dependent on where he stands with the league and everything like that. But like, all right, just getting back to the original question, because I would like to hear your opinion on this too a little bit. With him in the commissioner exempt list, right, and all that stuff, say let, say it does go down that way, Mike. Like, you know, it's they don't quite have it figured out. He shows up at Texans training camp, like you said. They said, go home, you're on paid leave, blah, 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 whatever. I mean, if there was teams that were still interested in trading at that point, you know are if you're the Texans, would you do it at that point? would you or would you say, you know what we're just gonna hold on to the year like I said and just go we'll we'll bite the bullet on the ten million and we'll wait till we can really strike a strike it rich next
0: year Well, the Texans were the ones who basically you know sp- Gave away a second round pick to get 16 million off their books. Yeah, they started this trend, right? Right. They, they, right. To, to avoid paying $16 million to Brock Osweiler, they gave up a second round pick. So, to avoid paying 10 million to Deshaun Watson, knowing that he's never going to play for you again anyway, what would you take for Deshaun Watson, knowing that you once gave up a two? To avoid paying a guy sixteen million, I think that's part of the analysis, and sure. that's the reality. These draft picks have a cash value, and everyone is going to view it differently. But, but that, I think that that will help them get to a point where they they can assess the situation and make, as Nick Casario said, the best decision for the Houston Texans. It's going to depend upon, most importantly, are the cases settled? Are they not settled? And maybe as we get closer to camp, Deshaun Watson and his lawyer, Rusty Harden, are thinking maybe we don't need to get these settled. You know, I, at, at some point, I think it's fair for Watson, Harden, Texans, Eagles, Broncos, Dolphins. Because yeah, I right. think those are the three teams right. that would be inclined yep. to say to the league, you can't just hold this over Deshaun Watson's head because you're holding it over our heads, too. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do this season with our football teams. So you're either going to put him on the commissioner exempt list or you're not. Or you're not. Don't play the Antonio Brown game. Now, I think they did it to Antonio Brown because it was a way to keep him out of the league without pay, Without putting him on an unpaid suspension. He's available. The Patriots cut him. Right. He'd been accused of some wrongdoing. A, there was a few things. The league things. hadn't fully investigated. Right, right. So, there are multiple things. Right. So... All the league has to say is, well, we don't know if we we'll put him on the commissioner exemplist, and it scared everyone away. As a practical matter, 14-game unpaid suspension. Yeah, I think it's different with Deshaun Watson, because the Texans are on the hook for $10 million, and the Texans are in a position where they can trade him. And oh, by the way, he is a pretty exciting player. Whatever the league has done by way of investigating this, if they are comfortable with Deshaun Watson playing, they need to tell the Texans and any other interested team, yeah, he's you know what, he's fine, or just announce to the world, we've investigated this, and based upon the current information and the individuals who have cooperated with us, and in light of the fact that several haven't, we have no basis for putting him on paid leave, and we will await the outcome of these cases before we take any further action. Why not do that? I I hear you. I I,
1: I mean, I I think that's not a bad scenario. I mean, the NFL's got to be careful here, that's for sure. I mean, I think the one thing that, like, of all the things you just said there that jumped out to me to where I went, ooh, you know, if these aren't resolved and they just let Deshaun Watson play – I, I just can't imagine that happening. I can't. I think the NFL is like way too hyper aware of like their standing in society and all the things that are perceived. He's
0: not a, he, he hasn't I, been charged with a crime. I know. How can you do that?
1: I know. But it's I'm innocent just,
0: until proven guilty. He's not even accused Mike, of being guilty. I'm,
1: Mike, don't, don't, don't. I'm just a I'm, messenger. I'm just, here. I, hear you. I know. I'm I hear 100%. you. You're right, 100%. But I'm just going through the the history of the NFL and then where we are like currently at the at society right now. I just don't think NFL is going to be willing to take the, the 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 brunt of that every day. Wow, they're just going to let some star quarterback hell, you know, because that's what it's going to get turned into. Star quarterback can do whatever he wants in that league. They don't care. He's abused women and those things. It's It'll take a life of its own if he's out there in the field. And that's where I think the NFL ultimately – will not want to have those images out there. So this becomes the number one topic in, in the NFL
0: again. And your instincts are right because all due respect, I've been studying this aspect of the way the league handles off field misconduct for years. Yeah, it, it, it isn't always about right and wrong, right? It isn't always about truth and justice. It isn't always about respecting the constitutional rights of the individuals. It's about public relations. The whole thing is about public relations. The entire personal conduct policy, the in-house justice system that has cropped up in the wake of the Ray Rice situation, where the league basically says, we're no longer going to defer to what... The criminal justice system does because sometimes they get it wrong at least for our purposes right they put the guy in a diversion program when there's this video lurking around of him knocking out his then fiance that video comes out turns our business upside down so it it is pr driven period and that's why all sorts of things can happen that you would look at and say well it's just not fair to the individual involved especially if the houston police department has been talking to these individuals. Multiple of the twenty-two persons have spoken to the Houston Police Department. You're going to charge them or you're not. Yeah, that's right. And and There's I'd like been, to think the NFL has yeah. sources around the various Teams departments and, and yeah. agencies yeah. involved that they can find out which way the wind's blowing. I'd like to think they have that capacity, the resources to do that. I, I just I, I think it's fair to the player. Um, you know, the player has rights. And the player has a right to play football unless and until there's sufficient proof that he's done something that should prevent him from playing football and uh, i and and that's that's not a comment on the merits. I'm just saying at some point, yeah, that's right at some point it's time to go back to work right, and if you're going to keep him from working, you better have a good reason to do it, yeah, that's all I'm saying yeah no i i mean
1: i I agree with you it it, it is unfair, but you know that that's also where the n f l goes into it's a privilege to play in this league and we're going to protect the shield and all those type of things that we know that we hear all the time that we roll our eyes with sometimes, but that this is exactly what they mean and where this comes from. And, uh, that's, that's where I just, I can't imagine it. I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, you know, especially with, you know, hashtag me too, being so popular within the last year, there's just a lot of circumstances, you know, in the world, in the league that I think ultimately, if it's not decided clearly, I just I can't see it happening. I can't and, and it's, if I'm, it's not
0: it's not it's not just a popular hashtag, it's a long overdue record. But no doubt and about it. I didn't mean to too. I don't want uh, no, no. to sound insensitive, well, you know, I, I, know. No, no, no we're yeah. we're on the same team here. Yeah, I'm right. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm making yeah. sure people understand where we're coming from. Yeah. There, there there are delicate and important issues embedded within the merits of the claims being made exactly. against Sean Watson. Exactly. And those need to be handled properly. And I've said all along. He needs to settle these cases, not just to make them go away quietly. He needs to have his reckoning. He needs to make, make good with the people who believe that their rights were violated. And the way that you get your justice through the civil justice system is through the, the payment of money. That's how it works. These individuals chose initially to file a lawsuit. When you file a lawsuit, you seek the recovery of monetary damages to compensate you for what you have endured. He should. He should. And I've said this for weeks. He should work out a fair settlement with each of those 22 individuals, so they believe that their rights have been respected. That right. that is part right. of this. But what we're trying to what we're trying to do here is separate that from the employment rights that Deshaun Watson has as it relates to the NFL. And at some point, the NFL has an obligation to get into the weeds sufficiently to make a decision, a fair decision, a proper decision. And an inherently difficult decision. Is Deshaun Watson allowed to continue to come to work while these cases are unresolved? And will we wait until they are resolved to pass final judgment on whatever unpaid suspension we would levy against him? That's the question. And we'll see what the league does. But I hope they take it seriously. I trust that they will. But I know based upon past examples, like Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, right. I feel I feel like they, they I feel like they decide what they want to do. Yeah, and they work backward through whatever facts may may dispute the end result. They work backward to justify where they want to go.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, well, listen. At the end of the day, I think the NFL is going to do what's best for the NFL. I think that's what we're saying. They're going to do whatever they deem necessary for the best of the league, the shield, all those type of things. And yeah, with that. Sometimes, you know, personal care gets thrown by the wayside and and really, yeah, basic work rights. But that's, I guess, part of what we signed as players in the CBA and things like that, that they're they're gone a little bit from from that standpoint. And that's what I expect the NFL to do. So we'll see where it goes. And I just can't imagine a team, you know, even if they do feel like they're going to get it for the low or something like that, wanting to trade. And, you know, even for the low for Deshaun Watson, it's still going to be something substantial to trade and then not have these things resolved and be like, oh, well, we hope it all turns out the right way. And we hope there's not one that ends up being serious and there's something substantial there. That's another, like, like, I just don't see that avenue opening up or happening. I think there might be dabbling, but I can't imagine a team actually pulling the trigger on that one.
0: Easy solution if you're willing to tie up multiple picks. Because they would be yeah, tied right. to the the conditions. It's it's based on how many games he plays. Yeah, sure, sure. This year, yeah. It's that's it. If he plays four or fewer, it's this pick in 2022. If he plays, you know, four to ten, it's that pick. If he plays ten or more, it's a first rounder. You could do it. You could you could tie 22, 23, 24 draft picks to how many games he plays this year and next year. If you're, but the problem is if you're the team that's trading for him. You tie your own hands as it relates to what you can do with those picks and other trades because you got to keep them available for however the final analysis goes of the Watson deal. But but the point is this: this this entire conversation flows from the thing Nick Casario said at the end of his answer. They are going to make the best decision for the Texans as they get closer to camp, which means they understand there is a decision to be made and this thing that has gone dormant at least as it relates to football purposes and these assumptions we've made we're not going to see deshaun watson those assumptions could be wrong we may be seeing him we didn't see stefan gilmore yesterday at the patriots mandatory minicamp and for good reason chris i've seen this before here's how it goes guy has a big year he has two years left on his contract they move money from the last year of the contract into the next to the last year of the contract to make him happy four and a half million got moved 11 and a half for this year went down to seven because four and a half went to pay him in 2020 after he was the defensive player of the year so you get to the last year of the deal you don't tell him well you're only playing for seven now you rip it up and you give him a new one that's how that game goes that's what happened with antonio brown's contract in pittsburgh you give him an advance and advance and then when you get to the year where all the money came from for the advances you give him a new contract. Yeah, right. He hasn't gotten a new contract. Yeah. So he didn't show up for mandatory minicamp. Ninety-three thousand dollars in fines. If he doesn't show up between today and tomorrow, the three cumulative days of fines is ninety-three thousand and eighty-five. That's all negotiated by the league and the union. I, I don't know what the Patriots are gonna do.
1: I, I mean, I, I don't either. This'll be this'll be fun to watch to see how they handle this because I mean, yeah, the four million dollar sweetener last year made him feel better, but realistically he was underpaid last year let alone this year for where the market is and it's gone up a little bit and things like that and he he deserves to be disgruntled there's there's no doubt about that I mean Stephon Gilmore although he may not you know be the king of corners anymore right maybe Jalen Ramsey took over he's still in the top five conversation for best corners in football I mean I don't know you get into it my money Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard, Stephon Gilmore, Jair Alexander, um, Marlon Humphrey, for sure, in that conversation. I'm missing one or two others that just jump into my head here right off the top. Ta- oh, wait, that's right. The guy that plays a crosser, Stephon Gilmore, is right there, too. See, that's where the other thing gets interesting. J.C. Jackson is borderline top five, top ten-ish corner in football, too. And they're going to have to pay him at some point, as we know. I mean, they tried to— Who do you
0: pay between the two? If you have to choose one right now, knowing you're not going to pay both because you got you know yeah. a bunch of other positions on your team— which one are you paying? Gilmore I'm going to go with Jackson? the youth.
1: I'm going to go with the youth. I am. I'm going to go with JC Jackson and go that go that direction. Yeah, I mean Stefan Gilmore. It's it's coming to the end of his prime. He saw some injury last year a little bit. So I mean, yes, they're still good there, but I mean JC Jackson has shown that he is more than capable of being a really big time corner whether it's covering, ball skills, what we saw last year with all the interceptions and those type of things, too. And the other thing I would say to it, too, to where maybe Gilmore becomes slightly more expendable in a year like this, and I say that lightly because he's really talented and they love to play man-to-man, but the Patriots at least have a defense this year. I mean, you know what I mean. They have some other players, finally. they got a front seven that's going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. The corner is not going to have to be like the focal point of the team. So maybe that makes them feel a little bit more confident in not paying them. Try to trade them. I don't know. But um, th- this is going to be interesting. Or maybe does New England just go for one more year and give
0: them another sweetener and just go from there? I don't know how they're going to do this. Jackson is getting $3.384 million this year Jeez. under the restricted free agency tender that carried with it. Second round draft pick compensation and still no one Why? out there. Why? Even that's, made him an offer.
1: That's got to end Pollution. too. That's got to end. I don't Pollution. understand that. I'd have they been. Don't, a team. They don't.
0: Yeah. They, there's a, there's an unspoken. I know. Sorry. Understanding among the right. teams. Right. We don't touch yours. <laughs> you don't touch ours. When <laughs> it's second rounder. <laughs> we're not. We're not. We're not gonna make any offers for your guys and give you a second round pick. And you're not gonna do it to us. Oh, uh, see it's that like a gentleman's it, agreement, yeah. which which is. Which collusion. is, if enough teams are doing it's collusion.
1: Exactly. It's, bu- it's bull crap is what it is. And if I ever got in the NFL as a, a head coach or a GM, it would be the first thing I'd do. I'd go, well, here's the rules, and we're going to take them. You could have our second-round pick. We don't know what corner's going to be available, but we know J.C. Jackson's awesome, and we'll pay him. And why? Like what, Why would you let New England off the hook that way? If I was a team that needed a corner and I was in the AFC, I would have made a bid and be like, hey, you're going to have to pay him something. You're not going to get away for $3.8 million. Uh, I don't understand that, and it's wrong to do to the player, but this situation gonna be interesting because he, I certainly can see Stefan Gilmore where he's at I mean seven million dollars are you kidding me? I mean, are you kidding me he's 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 been being paid below guys that have no business even being in the conversation with him so i mean that this is pretty like straightforward from his standpoint. There's no way he's coming back to play for seven point five million dollars. It's actually like almost disrespectful for the the way he's playing right now.
0: Think about this. They yeah. got Gilmore and Jackson under a contract for this year at a combined That's insane. investment right. of 10300000 million. We're just talking about the Texans potentially paying Deshaun Watson $10 million to not play. Right? The Patriots are going to pay just a little more than $10 million to have both J.C. Jackson and Stephon Gilmore, assuming Gilmore comes back. You know, I— I, I think it could be a precursor to a trade of Gilmore. Yeah. They, they, yeah. No one wanted to touch Jackson. And and I also think that when it comes to the Patriots, there's a lot of people who are scared of Bill Belichick, that if you piss him off, he's going to come after you and he's going to keep coming right. and he's not going to relent. Right. So let's just not even stir that pot. But I think Gilmore is in play. You know, last year there was talk about yes. Gilmore being available right. at the trade deadline, and then all of a sudden he got a knee injury. And one GM said to me, I wonder how injured that knee really is or whether that was just his way of throwing a wrench into the possibility that they were going to trade him during the season. Because players, you know, unless you are desperate to get out like Jalen Ramsey wanted out of Jacksonville a couple of years ago, you don't want your life turned upside down in October. No, no. You, know, I, you no. don't want to have to move and deal with all that. And it's a new, You walk walking into a new, no, you'd rather do it after the year. I think a trade's still potentially on the table for Gilmore. I I would imagine so. I mean, there's got to be a team out there
1: that's going to reassess here and go, you know, we can really use something at that position to help out. He's a really good football player. And, yeah, I I would imagine, I think if you made me bet, Mike, that's kind of where I would go to. I don't see New England... I guess really seeing him extending him in any like extravagant way to make him like towards the top of the league corner as far as pay is concerned. Again, uh, I, I would I would I, I'm going to bet that you're right. I'm going to say there's a trade that goes down sometime between now and midway through training camp and Stefan Gilmore no longer with the Patriots.
0: Um, so where would he go? That's really the question, and let's let's set aside the Jalen Ramsey Madden franchise mode. Yeah, he right. wants every <laughs> big name player who's available yeah. to come to a team that has already collected so many big name players they don't have any money left or draft picks to go out and do those deals. So, other than the Rams, where where would you be watching a team to maybe spring up to try to get Stephon Gilmore? Like, I, first one I would think of is like the Raiders
1: having, like, all those young corners they have, defensive issues, those type of things. They could use somebody like that with a little veteran leadership, teach some of these young guys, see where there goes. That defense has been a struggle there. You know, I did think originally of the Tennessee Titans, but, like, they got the draft pick, Janoris Jenkins, everything like that. So I think that's one that's kind of off the table there. You know, I don't know if the Houston Texans will be involved in that, but Nick Casario knows what kind of player – Stephon Gilmore is but I can't imagine them wanting to spend money like that you know when it comes down to uh, a team that's rebuilding so then you get into like the contending teams and everything like that there you know like New Orleans we know there might be a need for corner there but can they pay him so I I really don't know there's no team that is just glaring to me as I sit here and go they're desperate they could really use the man-to-man corner right now right this moment because I don't think you're a team that's like in rebuild mode that's going to want a guy like Stefan Gilmore who's kind of towards the end of his career, yet we're going to pay him big money. Uh, and that's where it's interesting. Indianapolis Colts, would they think about it? I don't know. I mean, to me, they could use another corner in the mix too. That's been an issue with their football team, in my opinion. Uh, but that's some of the ones that at least jump, uh, jump out to me, Mike. Older player
0: who clearly wants to be paid now. Right. The Titans are going to get away apparently with one year of Julio Jones without having to cut him a gigantic check. Yeah. I think they're going I think that they're not gonna have to pay him now. You you get Stefan Gilmore, you got to pay him on his way through the door. Right. Because he's just, he he doesn't want to trade just to say I'm playing for a different team and still making seven million. He wants to trade because he's playing for a team that's going to give him the contract that he thinks he deserves. And, and remember, he got a market value deal. When he became a free agent, we're like, oh, is he going to the Bears? Where is he going? All of a sudden, the Patriots swoop in and sign him. We're like, holy crap, they never do that. But this is the back end of that deal. The market has changed, and he wants something that reflects where the market currently is. He's 30 years old. He'll be 31 on September 19. I, that's, that's where it becomes it's, That's where it risky. starts to go. Yeah, exactly You don't right. want to pay the guy a bunch of money for the years where he starts to descend.
1: Yeah, agreed. I mean, he's it's at the point of the career where I think if you're a GM or a coach, you want like a two or a three year deal, and then you reassess. You know, I, I think that's the way to go. I mean, would the Cowboys get involved in that conversation? You know, I don't know. I mean, they certainly could use it, but again, they play that Seattle scheme where it's not always man to man is such a big thing. Seattle the same way. I could go, hey, they need a corner. There's no doubt about it. But I don't know if they really value corners that way because of, you know, the amount of zone they play. And that's where it just, you know, would would the Bills get involved in another conversation with with Stephon Gilmore and thinking about bringing him back? I don't know. I really don't. Um, It's going to be interesting to watch because, yeah, it's a guy that's kind of towards the end of his prime, but still real good and certainly underpaid for where he is right now.
0: Uh, And I just don't see New England budging on this one to pay him big time money. Be fascinating to go back to the Bills, the team that made him a first round pick in two thousand twelve where he played for five years before going to New England. Yeah. And and I would I would like to think that Belichick would not want to trade him in the division or in the conference if he still thinks he can play at a high level. But if you think you're fleecing someone for a guy that you've seen signs that it's starting to slip, then then yeah. may, maybe you do it. Yeah, maybe right. you trade him to the Dolphins. <laughs> maybe not that the Dolphins need. They don't need it. it either. They don't. They got Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And, yeah, and but that would first be first round you, corner. Yeah, th- there aren't a lot of spots out there right. where there are guys who have been in the New England hive who know what Gilmore can do and could then become trade partners. There really aren't. If if Matt Patricia was still in Detroit, I know. that would make sense. Exactly. He's back in the building. Right. Right. I. You
1: know. You're. You're right. And well, the the New England Tree, for the most part, you know, the Tennessee, the Miami, they got corners because that's what they believe in. So they went out and got them and they made sure they got it because that's how Bill taught their team. I mean, Houston, again, is the team that would be in that cocoon that we would know about that might have some knowledge about it. But, you know, with their current status and like we talked about, I just don't imagine them like trading away assets and then paying paying big money to a guy where it's like where our team's not even close to being anywhere near competitive for like another year or two. So that, that's where I don't see that happening. It's I, I mean, I really didn't sit here and think about or come prepared, as you could tell, for teams that might be interested totally here. And I, I it, it is. It's hard to find one that just really pops to you to where you go, that makes a lot of sense. Maybe it is a Dallas Cowboys type of move the more I sit here and think about it to where they just Let go, me throw one out. Yeah, Let me throw ahead. one out that I yeah. just thought
0: of. A team that has been sneaky, chasing big-name players who are on the wrong side of 30 Arizona, year, whether it's JJ water, or yeah. or AJ green. Yeah. Stefan Gilmore to the Cardinals. They lost Patrick Peterson uh-huh. in free agency. Um, I like that one. That a would lot. make sense. That makes a lot of sense.
1: I, I agree with you. You're, you're onto something there that, that, that could make sense. And they're like, they're right there. They're kind of ready. Like this is the kind of thing that, Ooh, maybe gets you over the hump now to where you go. Well, no, they're a legit playoff team. They were kind of teetering on the edge. We don't really know. But now you get a guy like that, yeah, that could be a difference making move for that football team and one that you know for for where they at in their franchise it makes sense. like that's one that makes sense for them uh, at this current state uh, point in time.
0: I just had a vision. Yeah Kyler Murray with his A's hat on, baseball glove. And you know how you like to just throw the ball into the glove walking into Steve Kimes' office. Hey Steve. What do you think about Stefan Gilmore, Steve? <laughs>
1: you're such a Steve,
0: jerk. he's available, Steve. Yeah. We're trying to get a winning team here, Steve. Do, you like my gonna, A's hat? You like my power, A's hat, Steve? Power play
1: him with baseball gear. That's what you're going to do. Just, just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. I can see that, yes.
0: Just walking around, you know, throwing the ball into right. the glove. I never understood why why people did that, but when I was a kid, I did that, too. I guess if you don't have anybody to have a catch with, you just throw the ball into the glove. It's either it, that or carry the glove it feels around with the ball inside. There he goes.
1: It. He's stirring the pot, baby. Here we go. <laughs> we <What laughs> want to trade, what? or we're Going to play baseball. What, What's in that pot? Is that some sort of jambalaya? I don't know. It looks like it might be beef stew or something like that. Either way, I'm know. not eating it. If you're cooking it, I ain't eating it. I <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you know, yeah, for you, uh,
0: chef specially made it for you. So uh, absolutely good. Uh, for anybody else, would be fine. Um, uh, Cam, yeah, it depends. Yeah, so there would be certain circumstances where you would eat it, no matter whether or not I cooked it. Usually on a Thursday night at about 10:30 p.m. Cam Newton took the majority of the reps at the mandatory minicamp practice on Monday. He actually practiced on Friday. Bill Belichick told reporters that on Monday before the minicamp practice, he banged his hand against the helmet about 11 days ago. Now they they practiced in the rain, and you know, hey, look, I I don't fault the beat writers who have to go to these practices and report on everything that happens and act like it's significant it's the only thing they have to to go on for now so yeah it's significant it's more significant than nothing but they struggled in the rain a little bit yesterday apparently yeah you could see that I mean it, you know everyone's trying to make light of like Cam
1: Newton was missing throws right Mac Jones was hitting them uh there's something to be learned certainly about that like yeah we can't overanalyze that that's the first thing I would say but I mean, you see here some of the tweets about the overthrows. Newton was okay, blah, blah, blah. Hey, there's something to throw in a wet ball. And it's never easy that first practice of the year when you're like, you're expected to perform, and when you get the ball from the center, it's like a wet watermelon. Yeah, it's not easy. You have to adjust what you do there. And I think even from those clips right there, you could see like Cam Newton was trying to just still throw the ball normally. Like, "Ah, I'm just big and strong, and I'll just grip it and rip it. Mac Jones was throwing balls that would be intercepted in a real game. There's certainly some of that. I don't know if that was totally realistic either, but he took the approach more of I'm not going to try to grip the ball completely. And because we've had this conversation before, ball's really wet. Guys who grip the ball really hard are the ones that usually struggle throwing in the rain. You know, I I know like John Elway and Troy Aikman, you know, greats in the past, they struggled because they were like really hard grippers of the football I was the same way and you know I luckily had a father who taught me how to do it a little bit when it comes to the rain and not grip it as tight right not to have the same expectations that you're gonna be able to spin the ball and throw the ball as hard so you got to kind of learn how to play in those type of elements and I'm sure Belichick loved that yesterday that Cam got that experience and Mac Jones to get some good old New England weather
0: Important question as we wrap up our opening segment this morning. What's worse, wet ball due to rain, wet ball due to swamp ass?
1: Oh, wet ball due to swamp ass is the worst. <laughs> First off, the ball <laughs> smells a little funky, okay? So does your hand, all
0: right? And then second of all, like
1: no amount of rain can, can create the center who's holding the ball here and his face sweat is dripping on it as you're saying the snap count and then he snaps it to you, there's no monsoon that can get the ball as wet as <laughs> John Wade's swamp uh, ass back in, the, back uh, in his prime.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, on that note, let's take a break. Daniil Hunter had been a man of mystery for the Minnesota Vikings. Mystery solved. Hunter back. We'll tell you the circumstances of his return to the Vikings when PFT Live continues right after this. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of.
1: For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record
0: again! Go for the United States!
1: And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen.
0: I have never seen anything like this.
1: How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock.
0: I'm ready to go! Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love.
1: I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going
0: undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now, only on Peacock. Daniel Hunter hasn't been happy with his contract for a while. I think it traces back to when Joey Bosa got to $27 million a year, and here's Hunter at $14.4 million. He did his contract early. The Vikings saw what they had. They paid him big money. He was happy to get it, but then he realized the market passed him by. He missed all of last year after he had neck surgery. That was a real injury. That wasn't some hamstring that was his way of holding out by holding in. And now this year he wasn't happy. He'd stayed away from the offseason workouts. But he did the smart thing. It was a win-win for him and for the Vikings. He gets a new deal, a revised deal, that pays him $5.6 million as, a, as a signing bonus. He'll have a salary then after that this year. And then next year the Vikings have to decide early on whether to pay him an $18 million roster bonus right out of the gates in the 2022 league year. If they think he's you know, still a guy that deserves that kind of compensation, he'll be on the team for the remainder of his contract that has a total of three years left on it. Otherwise, he'll be a free agent, and he'll get to the market early where he can go out and see what else is out there. But this is one of the risks you take when you're a young player, Yeah, wasn't highly regarded coming out in the draft, you prove yourself, you take the money early, the problem is you're going to get to a point where you're not real happy. With what you're getting paid, and sometimes the team will rip it up and give you another deal. Sometimes the team will dig in. The Vikings and Hunter found uh, kind of a middle ground here, Chris. Yeah,
1: middle ground, and I understand, you know, them them coming to the middle ground here. They got to both protect each other here to a, to a degree, or each each entity has to protect themselves. You know, yeah, Dan, Daniel Daniel Hunter is underpaid. We know that. Yeah, but at the same time, and he's one of the better pass rushers in football, hands down. But like, had a real neck injury last year, certainly. Yes, he is under contract. So I think it's a win-win for, yeah, he gets a little, you know, sp- spice here, a little little extra cash right now, but then, you know, has a chance, like you said, to earn, oh, okay, now I'm going to make the big boy money, $18 million for the 2022 season. You know, he can earn that with his play on the football field or at the same time, have a really good year. And I think with Mike Zimmer and Spielman and all that, and they show and he shows he's healthy and plays well, they might rip up his contract and re-sign him because they know that like, again, if he plays well and he's healthy, uh, okay, yeah, he had a good year next year. You're going to have the same problem the year after that. So they're going to they're get into some of the specifics about, I think, renegotiating if he does stay healthy and have that good year. So it makes sense for both sides. Vikings need him we know that they need a pass rusher he's the best one they got and uh, it's going to be a big year for your Vikings to see where they're at
0: if they pay the roster bonus next March he will get 20 million in all for 2022 a significant raise over the 14.4 million dollar average and uh, look I I can't fault the guy And, and that's part of how you manage a great player It's not enough. It's the old Philadelphia Eagles Joe Banner approach where they would swoop in and sign guys to like 10 year contracts after two seasons and expect them to be happy. Yeah. For the full 10 years. Right. Even as the salary cap continues to go up and the market passes them by, you're going to get guys who become disgruntled and you can't just say at that point to them, hey, deal's a deal. You sign a contract. Doesn't work that way. You need guys who are motivated to go out and play, and they need to feel like they're being treated fairly. And when you dangle that kind of money in front of a guy who's only a couple years into the NFL, who's never had big money, what's he going to say? Exactly. No, I don't yeah. want it. Right. So uh, that that's that that's the challenge when you when you get the guy early, and he keeps getting better and better you got to be willing to pay him. It's just awkward here because of the injury. You know, Daniil Hunter has the record for the most sacks of anyone under the age of 25. Yeah, right. He, he has been a force, a force when he's healthy, um, and and they they were far worse off on defense last
1: year without him, Chris. De- definitely. But, like, you know, like you just brought up, you know, there, there's only two – like, neck injuries, real. Even if it's not, like, the most serious in the world, teams are going to be a little hesitant to want to live, like – long-term extensions or anything like that when you get into the head neck injury business that's where your name gets in the black book in the NFL and teams start to notice and go wait there's a history here we got to be careful with this one Uh, but yeah I mean definitely uh, star pass rusher the Vikings with their unproven secondary and all of that that's where he's even more valuable to protect them that was an issue last year too so uh, we'll see where this goes and you know, we'll see, Mike, the big news too yesterday with the Sheldon Richardson thing. That'll be interesting to see if your team gets another little uh, addition there on the defensive line.
0: Well, Sheldon Richardson had been cut by the Browns. The Browns were holding out hope that they could convince him to return on their terms. Yeah. He made it clear yesterday he's not, and he's talking to the Vikings about going back there. He spent a year with Minnesota after – was it he was traded by the Jets to the Seahawks and right. then became a free agent? Yes, and then signed with the Vikings for at least one year. I think it was just one year, and then went to the Browns. But Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson. Pierce was a free agent arrival last year. He opted out. He's back. He's ready to go. Dalvin Tomlinson, a guy they signed this year. Now here comes Sheldon Richardson. That gives you a pretty formidable rotation at defensive tackle. It does.
1: And, I mean, Sheldon Richardson's athletic enough to where he could be that guy that could be a big defense end, too, on certain occasions. So you could get all four of those guys on the field. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, one – so, obviously – I mean, I, I was excited to think of Sheldon Richardson back with the Cleveland Browns. I was going, man, he goes back there, that D-line, which is already pretty good, and we talked about the other day, you go, man. But he, he obviously feels disrespected. You know, you could tell by his tweets and everything like that. He's, he's not going back there on principle. He feels like he played good enough to justify his, keeping his last contract there, which I, I, I'm not going to – he's been pretty damn good. I mean, he really has. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate that he got that, but obviously he feels personally scorned there, and he's going to go somewhere else. Um, and yeah, he, he I would think would definitely, you know, not only get in the rotation, but Tomlinson and Pierce are kind of the same guy. They're space eaters, so he gives you a little something of like that speed element, more of an athletic element. Uh, would would certainly help your your Vikings defensive line, your Vikings defensive
0: line. Richardson was the defensive rookie of the year in 2013, the 13th overall pick in the draft that year, four years with the Jets. He always had in his mind he was going to get an Indominus Sue $100 million type contract. It never happened. Seattle for a year via trade, Vikings for one year, Browns for the last two, and now back to Minnesota, potentially, unless someone else swoops in with a better offer, but never got that big money long-term deal he wanted, but he's been around for a while now. He's got... Eight seasons in, this will be year number nine for Sheldon Richardson, maybe back in purple with a defense that, Chris, when you look at what they've done in the secondary, and when you look at what they did last year, they started two rookies at corner last year. What they've done in the secondary, what they've done up front, they'll have Anthony Barr, presumably healthy this year. They'll have Eric Kendricks. Yeah, who was beat uh, up last year. Healthier this year. You know, last year the defense went went to crap, and you know, here's one of the reasons why, too, folks. Let's let's not forget this. They had no fans in their building. You, it's kind of hard for your defense to do much of anything when on third down, instead of 125 decibels, it's crickets. That is a factor, especially for half of your games every year. Half of your games are played in those circumstances where it is deafening when it's full. And it was deathly silent last year because of the pandemic. That's a huge difference for the Vikings this year, too.
1: It's definitely a, a huge, a huge home field advantage for them. There's no doubt playing, going up there. Everybody knows you've got to deal with crowd noise and that defense with a Mike Zimmer football team. But, damn, I don't know. The rest of the league didn't have fans either. I just think your damn Vikings defense no, was bad no, last year.
0: No, no. Well, it, look, the defense wasn't good, but it takes away. It takes away. Yes. Portion of the home field advantage. And I, I, and it's not, it's not, it's, it's unfortunate because what happens is, you know, you get that home field advantage, you take advantage of it. It's not like you take it on the road with you. If you get to the Super Bowl, you're not going to have, unless your fans take over the stadium. And we've seen that happen from time to time with other teams, but well, the, the way that sta- – yeah. it's just like Seattle. The way that stadium's designed – Well, that's where – The way the fans show up. Exactly. It the noise right down to the other sideline. It makes it extra loud, and it is an advantage.
1: No, it is. There's no doubt. I, I'm, I'm not trying to say it's not. Uh, I, I, You know, I, we had Zimmer who said it was the worst defense he ever coached, right? I mean, we – we heard those type of comments. The injuries, the turnover, it all, the COVID opt-outs, it all affected them. But to your point, listen, they are a team that I do think benefits more than most from home field advantage because of the crowd noise. Crowd noise, excuse me. You got the defensive coach, and they're a team that's built to play on their surface too. They're a team that's built on speed on defense, so they like to play on that field turf and be that. That's what Seattle was. That was the beauty of them. We're going to be fast. We're going to be loud. You're not going to hear Seth Hutt. We're going to watch the ball move, and it's going to be chaos for you. That's how Minnesota survived, so that has hurt them. There's no question, but, yeah, Mike, I mean, you got some new faces. Hopefully, you're healthy. Your rookies, hopefully, you are a little bit better. Patrick Peterson, Brashad Breeland, which was kind of a really under-the-radar signing over the last week. I mean, I I would expect that that Zimmer Vikings defense to significantly be better. That's for sure. Last year it was one of the worst in football. I would at least you think you get to the middle of the pack this year with what it looks like on paper at this point.
0: Yeah, they expect Breland to compete with Cameron Dantzler for the starting outside corner job opposite from Patrick Peterson. Uh, Harrison Smith is still there. Anthony Harris is gone, but he 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 was down last year as well he ended up signing with the eagles as a free agent so uh, we'll see how it goes let's take a break when we return we're going to get back to the chris sims quarterback countdown the first of two that we will be talking about who have new homes in 2021 we'll do that next here on pft live
1: when you you watch sam you know, you watch him play, you always, you obviously know that the talent that he has, um, and, it, and it excites you just watch the ball just pop off his, pop off his hand and, you know, he's a tremendous talent and then when you finally get the opportunity to get to know him and just see, you know, his willingness to learn, you know, how excited he is about learning a new system and just being a part of it, you know, it kind of puts it all on tape that, you know, it excites you and so uh, I'm optimistic about the direction that he's going in this, in this OTAs and, I look forward to him when we get to the training camp and kind of rolling with it. Just seeing, you know, his, you know, seeing him make reads, seeing, seeing the throws, seeing him play off schedule, seeing him, you know, in the pocket, you know, identifying protection. So there's a lot. It's not like you're getting a guy that's brand new. You're getting a veteran, you know, a guy that happens to just be young, and so um, you know, that's what uh, that was extremely enticing to us.
0: Last year it was Teddy Bridgewater with Joe Brady in Carolina. Brady, the offensive coordinator under Matt Rule. Now Sam Darnold, the guy. Also that. I don't think I've ever seen the plexiglass backdrop for the press conference.
1: Yeah, you know, I noticed that, too. I feel like I saw it somewhere else recently. Um, I like it. I do, too. I like it. Because you see it it a lot over in Europe with the soccer. That's where I I feel like I've seen it more than anything. But, yeah, it's it's a cool look. It really is. I mean, if they could just move him over a little bit and center it, it'd be perfect. But, yeah, I like it. I'm with you. (laughs) Look
0: at at you. Look at you with all the – I'm Mr. TV, TV guy over here. <laughs> the, the 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 best B-roll of the year though has been the the bears with the train rolling by in the background. That's just awesome. I think every football practice should at some point have a train rolling by. That's as old school as it gets. Uh Sam Darnold new experience for him with the Carolina Panthers. The look, the Panthers clearly in the market for a franchise quarterback. And we even thought that they would consider taking a guy with the eighth overall pick because David Tepper, the owner of the team, determined to get a guy that's going to be the guy for the next 10 or 15 years. And with Sam Darnold, hey, you're the guy. But just like Teddy Bridgewater, you could be the guy for only one year. So you got him at number 19. Yeah. And he's in front of some big names. I he's know. in front of a guy that won a couple of Super Bowls. That's in, right. In ben Roethlisberger. He's in front of Jimmy Garoppolo. Why do you have Darnold, based on what we've seen the last three years, yeah. including seeing ghosts on a Monday night against the Patriots, why do you have him at 19? Well,
1: because I think there's talent there. There's real talent that has not really been exposed quite yet. You know, that I think that, like what Joe Brady's saying right there. You know, that there's some really high-end things to like about it. Now, yes, it's hard to see. Now, let's not forget, we heard rumors about teams wanting to trade for Sam Darnold. 49ers were one of them. Looks like they might have been trying to replace a Jimmy Garoppolo with a Sam Darnold. But I think when you assess Sam Darnold, you got to be fair here. You know, what did you really expect? You know, a young quarterback going into, wait for it, oh, the worst situation in the freaking NFL. And as you've heard me say before... When you're around crap and crap's all around you, you're going to start to smell like crap and get some crap on you, too. Uh, I don't, okay, yeah. thank you. Well, That, it, that will yeah. be fine. Well, it seems to hit home when I say it a lot of times. because <laughs> People go, yeah, you know what? You're right. There's been nothing there to support him. Now, has his play been perfect? No, but I think sometimes the the play that hasn't been perfect is because of the circumstance once again. Yeah, he's young, but trying to push the envelope, maybe doing a little more than he should because the team stunk. So he feels the pressure that way. Lightning, quick but release. Don't, Go I, ahead. Yeah, but
0: don't you at least, Chris, what? at some point in your first three years in the NFL, don't you show us something Of what could be, I mean, if Patrick Mahomes had been drafted by the Jets in 2018, third overall, we would have seen something in the first three years to make us say, wow, this is the guy. He is the one. He just has, as you would say, crap all around. Well, yes. All right. So, first off, it's a great point and question
1: you're asking. It's also, let's just not forget, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes, who we're, me and you, I think we're both fans, to say it might be the most talented quarterback we've ever seen in the history of football, and with all that, if he was there, yeah, we would go, damn, it's good, whoa, it's exciting, it's fun, but you know what? Instead of 2-14 and 14 last year, they would have been 4-12. and 12. Like, it wouldn't have been that much better. As awesome as Mahomes is, I mean, when you're throwing to Chris Hogan, who's in, you know, a, a, a lacrosse league now, and Braxton Berrios and other people who nobody knows of are your number one targets, I don't know what people expect. And then your running back is Frank Gore. No disrespect to the future Hall of Famer, but he's 74 years old now, okay? They don't have a good offensive line, and the defense wasn't good. You know, so yeah, it's a tough like eval when you take that into account, Mike. But like when I do watch him on film, I see a guy that still has got a lightning quick release, can make every throw on the football field. To me, he's a phenomenal, as you've heard me say before, intermediate thrower. And he's a way better athlete than people give him credit for. That's the other thing. When I went back and watched, I just went, "Damn, we got to give him a little more notice." I mean, the guy went for a 52-yard touchdown against the Denver Broncos, right up the middle, weave through everybody. Ask Jeff Heath how he feels about Sam Darnold when he ran him over on the end zone on a quarterback, you know, read option play. So he can do that, and
0: he's got wait, an... wait, did you say Ronnie Lott or Jeff Heath?
1: Jeff Heath. It doesn't matter. Yep, he's a safety, and that's a quarterback, and he got ran over. Okay, so there's some real athletic ability. He's tough, and You know, he's got a really unreal ability, and I think we'll see it this year now that he's got a little more talent and the field will be more open because there's more weapons there. This, like, ability to scramble in the pocket, almost. It's almost not, it's like, you know how Ben Roethlisberger used to be. He was like Fred Flintstone running a little area. Well, Sam Darnold, not like he's Fred Flintstone, but he's great at hopping around and moving and making people miss that way. And able to throw on the run while like kind of looking at the rush, but looking upfield at the same time. So yeah, maybe I'm a little higher than most on Sam Darnold, but Oh, you are. I am. But I think that <laughs> I think the circumstances have to be taken into account here. And I think he's gonna open up a lot of
0: eyes this year in Carolina. I'm very disappointed with the control room. Chris Sims makes a Fred Flintstone reference and he doesn't get the ragtime piano <laughs> really uh no nope. Fred flintstone no nope, because are, are I mean, you talking about like when fred flintstone and now i'm gonna get the ragtime for talking about it. Are you talking about when he would bowl his tippy toe bowling is that what you're talking or about that, or just you know just when he's in the car you know <laughs>
1: when he's in oh, the yeah. car and his feet just go like yeah. this right like yeah. to me that's how ben bothellsberger used to I shuffle his feet around you. the you know got it yeah thank you uh but you're right. right i guess i'm kind of dating myself there too with that but See the problem is Kristen, who's in the control rooms, you know, not that much younger than me, to where she doesn't want to play that music because she's like, well, damn, then I'm old. So you know, they're that's doing a tough. reboot of
0: <laughs> they're doing a reboot of the of the Flintstones. I think it's like an updated, uh, like you know, like the kids are grown up Flintstones. I think I saw that. Somewhere. Okay, I could be. I, I I may have just dreamed it too. That's entirely possible. But there, there, there's there's a new animated. Flintstones that, that is coming um all right uh which has nothing to do with what we're otherwise talking about so you so think I'm um, uh Darnold yeah so do you think he's too I just, high I want okay. yeah, okay. to okay. wait and see yeah I just want to wait and see and I think the Panthers view this as an investment a strategic investment yeah they've got him under contract next year at 20 million fully guaranteed because they picked up his option yep I don't think that means he's necessarily going to be there the next two years they owed Teddy Bridgewater, $10 million guaranteed, and they found a way to offload him. I think they are so determined to get a franchise quarterback. They're willing to, to roll the dice yeah. with Darnold right. and see if it works. Right. And if it doesn't, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, someone else. They're going to keep turning over stones until they find their franchise quarterback. And that's what this is. Last yeah. year it was Teddy Bridgewater. Nope. This year it's Sam Darnold. Are they gonna turn it over and they're gonna see what they have? I will maybe yes, maybe no.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll be shocked. All right. I'm just I'm gonna put myself out there. I will be shocked if Sam Darnold doesn't have a really damn good year and earn himself at least another year or two of being the starter in Carolina. I think he's handmade for the offense too, Mike. You know, he's got a lot of that Joe Burrowness about him. And that's where I see the fit the offense, of so that just he can read and react and dissect and get it out of his hands quick. Hell, McCaffrey, boom, DJ Moore, boom. You know, that's where I get excited. And of course, he's got a little connection with Robbie Anderson, having played with him in the Jets uh, already, too. So uh, it's the first time that we're, he's going to have talent, a good system around him in his career, and it's not going to be, you know, he's not going to feel the pressure of having to do too much or do something like that. You know, he's, and that's where I think we're, we're going to see Sam Darnold, not to say he's going to justify being a top five pick, but I think he's going to show everybody that he is a starting quarterback in the NFL this year and, and maybe silence
0: some of these haters. Gets his old team right out of the gates week one against the Jets, yep. and then the test comes with the Saints. And look, if, if you're right, if you're right, the Panthers have a chance to compete with the Saints for second place in the division behind the Buccaneers. I, I mean, and, and I don't want to write off the Saints. I don't yeah, want to write off neither. the Saints as being fourteen and three either, because Rashawn Payton, you put anybody at quarterback, and, and, and this is no disrespect. To, and it's just what he can do with whoever he has, whatever he's that lack of play is. Right, he can turn it into something, and he's got a good team around whoever the quarterback is. So uh, they they could still be very good. But it sounds like the Panthers could be very good as well. In your estimation, it'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition. Let's take a break. When we return, another quarterback who did show franchise potential but has fallen off he's in a new city he comes in at number 18 we'll talk about him next here on pft live